Welcome everyone to Boomerang Church this morning. Glad you all are here. I see lots of Carolina blue going on, so that's good. That's right. Everyone's excited for the big uh, Super Bowl, right? We're playing football today, right? Oh, George gave me the one eye eyebrow raised look like, come on, Deb. Win, right. Sorry, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Right, Nicole? Right. Okay, so we're going to win. Thank you all for those who are joining us on live stream this morning as well. Uh, Before we get started today, let's open up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for coming into this place today, Lord, being with us today as we hear your word. May the word spoken today be planted deep into our hearts that they may produce a glorious harvest for you. Thank you for all of the grace and mercy and blessings that you pour out in our lives, Lord. Help us to learn and understand what it means to flow divinely with you and, and through you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this lesson is great in that it really piggybacks nicely to the lesson that was taught last Sunday, on, and the lesson last week was what to do when your prayers seem unanswered. Um, just to cover the one item where it really meshes well together with the lesson this week is from last week what we learned is that, it's, um, that, when, we, that when we pray to the Lord for something, um, typically the Lord answers those prayers through people, right? So people in our lives, people we may not know, and part of what we're called to do is pray for those people. Seek the Lord's leading. He may point out someone that we need to pray for, right, to remove a block or to stop the devil or break an attack. Um, so today we're actually going to be talking about the divine flow. So it fits in really nicely with understanding how to actually do that in our lives, how to flow with the Lord and through the Lord and by the Lord. So let's get started. You can begin to let God flow through you to minister to other people. You have the power and the anointing of God in you, but how do you get it out to other people? Right? I think some of us sometimes think only pastors can do that, that they're the only ones that have that anointing, that they're the only ones who God can move through. And the truth of the matter is, that should happen for all of us, period. And if we're not there yet, we should be growing and looking to move in that direction. So we should be seeking the Lord's leading on how to do that. So there are a number of scriptures that we can start with. In Philemon 6, or Philemon, or however you pronounce it, Philemon 6, Paul is praying. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. The very first step in having the power of God flow through you to other people is that you first acknowledge the good things that are inside you. Let me say that one more time. The very first step in having the power of God flow through you to other people is that you first acknowledge the good things that are on the inside of you. So you've got to believe that you're good enough that you have something to give, that there is good and wonderfulness on the inside of you, right, before, you can, before God can actually use you and flow through you. You cannot give away what you don't have, right? What's the saying in the world? You can't give from an empty cup, right? And if you're worn down all the time, if you're tired all the time, if you don't have any energy, if you're not building your fellowship or relationship with the Lord, can you really give anything? There's really... You're an empty vessel, so you can't give. But once you know what you have on the inside, things will automatically begin to happen. 
you'll begin to share with others your excitement. Give testimonies of what God has done in your life. And automatically, there are some people that will be helped. In 1 John 4, 7 and 8, it says, Chris is working on it. There it is. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Anytime you feel love flow out of you towards another person, that's God flowing out of you toward them. There are actually four major words for love in the Greek language, and the highest form, agape love, is God's supernatural kind of love. You need to recognize the difference between attraction or desire towards somebody and this supernatural high form of God's love. Whenever you discern God's love flowing out of you towards someone else, it's not self-serving. You can verify this by looking at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, which gives the qualifications of God's kind of love. It's not envious, selfish. It's not self-serving. It's not easily provoked, etc. I think this is one of the verses in the Bible or sets of verses in the Bible that a lot of us know. Love is patient. Love is kind. You need to analyze what you call love and make sure it's really God's love. So you really ought to check yourself, okay? That it's not selfish and self-serving. That you don't love a person because of what they can do for you, right? How many times do we do something for someone else because we think we're earning brownie points with them? I've never done that. I've never made the bed for Stephen thinking that, you know, he'll turn around and do something nice for me. Never. <laughs> Where I've learned to grow is that I'm doing it because I love God. I've changed my why. For those of you who've been coming to services recently, Brian's been talking about you have to know your why and you have to reset your why. So your why can't be I'm doing this because Priscilla's going to smile and be happy because I did it for her. My why has to be I'm doing it because I love God. Period. As you grow in this and literally begin to discern his kind of love, then when you feel it thro flow through you for somebody else, that's God moving. <laughs> that's God moving. So when you feel it flow through you for somebody else, that's God. That's not you, that's God. Once you discern the love of God flowing through you for someone else, all you have to do is follow it with some word of encouragement or action. That means you have to do something. Right? So you feel that love for someone else. Someone's on your heart. It doesn't stop there. Right? The next piece, next step you have to take is to actually take action and do something. Right? Faith without works is dead. There are times when I've been praying and a person would come to my mind and I would have God's kind of love and compassion for them. There was no reason for this to happen. It was supernatural. I've learned to call that person, text them, write them a letter, or contact them in some way. Nearly every single time that person usually says, boy, that was God speaking through you. And he touched my life through you. 
Do you know how that happened? It happened because I sensed this love, this godly compassion flowing out of me toward that person. When I feel that now, I recognize it's not me. It's God. God is love. And when I love another person, it's him loving other people through me. Wow. What do you know? It's not all about me. Right? It's about me discerning that when someone is on my heart, comes to mind, it's probably not that I thought of that person. Right? It's probably that the Lord has put that person on my heart or in my mind for a reason. And it's, I can't just stop with knowing that. I can't stop with knowing that. I have to take the next step. And sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes it's as simple as sending someone a text and saying, you're on my heart today. I lifted you up in prayer. It doesn't have to be any more than that. You may not know any more than that. And you know what? You don't need to. That's God. Right? That's happened a lot in this church, I have to tell you. And I think it's a part of what makes this church awesome. It's part of the love a lot of people say that they feel when they come here. Right? How many times have you had somebody on your heart and you've reached out to them. Either you've called them, or you've sent them a vox, or you've sent them a text, right? And sometimes it's invol it involves more of a conversation. What can, I, what can I agree with you with? What can I agree with you for? And stand with you for? And pray with you for? And sometimes it's as simple as, I hope you have a great day. You're on my heart today. There are times when I've done that, and it's opened up the floodgate for the other person. They were just waiting for me or someone to express love to them, God's love to them. And when you do, it's like, oh, if you had, only, if you had any idea what was going on in my life today or what's been going on this last week or what's been going on this last month. And guess what? That's an opportunity to minister. That's an opportunity to disciple. That's an opportunity to sow love and to pray and stand with someone for something which is pretty amazing. So this is the way Jesus ministered. In Matthew 14, 14, it says, When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. The way the power of God flowed through Jesus was through compassion and love he felt toward the people, the people he ministered to. In Matthew 8, 2, and 3, it says, A man with leprosy who was unclean and could not be touched according to Jewish law lifted up his voice and cried out to Jesus from the distance. And here the scripture says, And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. He was moved with compassion toward the man with leprosy and touched him. As, this, as you study the scriptures, you'll find this compassion, this godly love in many places. It's not just an emotion, but a compassion that flows out through us. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he loved the people around him so much that he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. These were the very people who were crucifying him, 
yet he had compassion on them and asked God to forgive them. We know he didn't have goosebumps. He didn't have the goosebump kind of love, right? He wasn't just feeling it or having, experiencing an emotion. It was a choice. This was a choice on his behalf. Nonetheless, he felt it and released it toward other people. Every one of you who is born again has God living inside of you. According to the verse we started with in 1 John 4, 8, God is love and he wants to flow through you to reach other people. To do that, he will release this compassion. You'll feel it flow out of you toward other people and when you do, you need to respond. Right? There's no pausing. There's no hesitating. There's no rethinking it. There's doing it doing it. You don't always have to do something special. It doesn't have to be, thus said the Lord. I love you today, Barrett. You're on my heart. It doesn't have to be quite so grand or quite so bold. Now, if the Holy Spirit leads you that way, right, then you go and find Barrett and you bop her on the head and you say, God loves you, darn it. And I love you too. Sometimes if you have a feeling of compassion toward a person, just go over and put your arm around them and say, God loves you and so do I. Sometimes that's all you have to do. You don't have to have a lot of words to do this. You don't have to have a lot of words. You don't have to have a big conversation, right? It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out process. I know one time this worked when I was on the receiving end in a situation where I was about to be run out of a church. People had lied about me, and one person even threatened to kill me. This is Andrew Womack um, speaking. Huh? Oh, sorry. Probably should have led with that. All right, so let me start over. Andrew Womack wrote this. <laughs> anyway, um, I know one time this worked when Andrew was <laughs> on the receiving end in a situation where he was about to be run out of a church. People had lied about him, and one person even threatened to kill him. I was, this is him speaking, I was feeling so discouraged, like, God, what's the point? What's the use? Nobody appreciates what I'm trying to do. I was fighting the devil over this, and a friend called long distance. So it doesn't even have to be right here. He talked for a few minutes, and I said, well, what did you call for? He said, I just wanted to call and let you know that I love you. I was praying and felt the love of God toward you. I appreciate you. That's all he said. That's all he needed to say. He didn't know anything about the situation going on in my life, but God used that. I knew it was him loving me through that person, and it kept me in the ministry, and it changed my life. Something that small. Doesn't have to be big. Doesn't have to have fireworks. It doesn't have to be pro profound or necessarily some great word. God is love, and whenever you discern that love flowing through you, it's the divine flow, the divine life of God. When you sense that, you need to follow it up. Go do something. Say something. Be a blessing to some person. God will put words in your mouth. He will use you. And he will set people free as you are moved with compassion and minister to those around you. You know what this calls for? 
part of what this also calls for or speaks to that resonated with me this morning while I was reading through this is that means you need to be here. Be here for your church family. Be present. And it's not that live stream isn't a wonderful option and that it doesn't allow us the opportunity to share in the word of God and in ministry. But if we're not here, right, there could be a lost opportunity. A lost opportunity to not be able to flow in divine love towards someone else. And again, like I said, it doesn't have to be that you're counseling them or you're ministering to them or you're laying on hands or you're praying for them. It, does, it can be those things. It doesn't have to. It can be as simple as a smile. It can be as simple as a hug. Right? But that means we need to be here for each other. That's what a church family does for each other. Right? Let's move on to some questions. These are really good questions today. So let's go back to Philemon 6. What is the first step in allowing God to flow out of us? Does anyone remember? Look for the good inside yourself. Right? You have to know what the good is inside of yourself first. You have to give from a full cup. Right? Remember we talked about that at the beginning. Read 1 John 4, 7 and 8. What is the real source of reaching out to love others? What's the real source? God. God. God is love. And if you don't know God, you don't really know love. Period. God is love. God is the source of love. Andrew states, anytime you feel love flowing out of you, that's God flowing out of you. What phrase in 1 John 4, 7 proves this fact? And in the scripture, it is love is of God. It flows from God. It is coming from God. So we are going to put up 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Um, this is a set of scripture most of us are familiar with, but I'm going to read the answer that Andrew has here uh, because I think it's pretty powerful. So what are some of the characteristics of God's love? And I challenge you to really think about each one of these. I think sometimes we race through this scripture and we don't pause. I know I did that with the fruits of the Spirit. If you ever take an opportunity to look up the fruits of the Spirit, pause on each one. You're going to get some revelation on where you might have some opportunity for improvement. I might would say the same thing about this scripture. This is another one where there are a whole bunch of commas. Pause between commas and pay attention and listen to the Holy Spirit because you know what? He may speak to you that one of these you may need to put some attention toward. So I'm going to read through the answer he gives. I'll let Chris kind of scroll through the scriptures as we go. Love is slow to anger and patient. It is in the present tense. Do you notice that, all of these? It's in the present tense. If you know your English, is patient, is kind, is not jealous. That's present tense. That's not it was. That's not it's going to be. That's it is in the present tense, meaning love continually behaves this way. 
Love is kind. It demonstrates itself in kindly acts. It is in the present tense, meaning love continually behaves this way. It does not envy. It doesn't resent the good fortune or success of others. It does not boast or brag about oneself. It is not proud, not puffed up. It is not consumed with self. It is not proud or arrogant. It does not behave itself unseemly. It does not behave itself in violation of what is right. It is not rude. It seeketh not its own. It is not self-centered. It is not easily provoked. Ring-a-ding-ding, that's one for me. (laughs) Just going to call it out and be glass house on that one. (laughs) I have a tendency sometimes to be provoked, so this might be an area of opportunity for me. It is not easily angered or quick-tempered. There's probably another one. Maybe that whole clause. I should probably stay in there for a while. It thinketh no evil. It's not always thinking the worst of others. It keeps no record of wrongs. How many of us in our relationships, we keep the laundry list of what we might use later in a conversation? Has anyone ever done that? Am I the only one? I see one hand going up over there. (laughs) Rejoiceth not in iniquity. It takes no pleasure in injustice or that which is wrong. Love rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It is always supportive. It never tears down. It never gives up. It believes all things. Love always trusts. Love never fails. Do you hear that never? That's an absolute. That's an absolute, and you can count on that. It never fails. Not it sometimes doesn't fail, right? It never fails. It always perseveres. It keeps going to the end and lasts forever. I want some of that. I don't know about y'all. I want some of that, and I want that to flow through me. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Read, let's, so we'll move on to the next one. Read Matthew 14, 14. How was Jesus moved in ministering to others? With compassion. That's absolutely right. So before the scripture even popped up, I was hearing the answer. That's awesome. So yes, it's compassion. He was moved with compassion towards others. The dictionary definition of compassion is sympathetic feeling, pity, or mercy. Now, what's interesting is whenever any of these um, studies that we've done reference looking up what a term means, I'm always usually stimulated to go do it myself. Like, I'm going to check and see if that's right. So I did. I looked it up this morning, and I actually came to a website. I want to share with you just something that it said, and I had to actually (laughs) chuckle Uh, which is why I wanted to share it with you. So there's a whole website that talks about compassion and the action of compassion versus empathy. Empathy is feeling someone else's feelings. Compassion is actually putting those feelings into action. Okay? So here's the paragraph. While cynics may dismiss compassion as touchy-feely or irrational, scientists have started to map the biological basis of compassion, suggesting its deep evolutionary roots. You think so? 
given what we've talked about, do you think there might be some deep evolutionary roots? What do you think, Jeff? Right, exactly. The research has shown, so we've been talking today, before I share this next piece, we've been talking today about the importance of knowing and loving yourself and then starting to listen to the still small voice of God's desire to move through you and show love to others through you, right? And there's benefit of doing that because the better you get at it, right? If you're good in the small things, what does God say? He'll start to give you more stuff. He'll give you bigger things. And you know how Pastor Brian and Nicole are awesome at that flow? We can get there too. We can grow into that just as strongly and as powerfully as they do. But it takes purposing ourselves and having a fellowship with God and growing in that knowledge and in that, in that worship of him so that he can flow through us. So those are big benefits, right? In my mind, those are huge benefits as a Christian growing in my discipleship. But then I read this and I thought, well, isn't that something? This research these scientists have started have shown that when we feel compassion, our heart rate slows down. We secrete the bonding hormone oxytocin. And regions of the brain linked to empathy, caregiving, and feelings of pleasure light up which often results in our wanting to approach and care for other people. So go figure that God would connect the benefit of the Holy Spirit and God's love working through us and that it actually manifests in our physical well-being. Is, should anyone be surprised that that happens? I wasn't surprised at all. In fact, I was very pleased to see the connection. So all the more reason why we should let that, define, that divine flow come through us so that we love each other. Because it's to our own physical benefit as well as our spiritual benefit and our spiritual growth. Those are huge things. So let's read Matthew 25, 37 through 40. Chris is working on it back there. That's all right. Chris will, Chris will get it up there. So here's the question. I, I would imagine you all have the answer already. When we reach out to others in love and compassion, in reality, who are we loving and caring for? Jesus. Jeff said it. Jesus. So when we reach out to others in love and compassion, in reality, who, who are we loving and caring for? We are loving and caring for the Jesus inside of them. So does it matter whether or not they're our favorite person? Does it matter if they're aggravating us? Nope. Right? We talked last week about sometimes when your prayers seem unanswered, right? I said, the, I said this at the beginning, that it's important that we understand that a lot of the answers to our prayers come through other people. Here's a key. Are they always our favorite people? <laughs> Not always. But what are we called to do? We're called to love the Jesus on the inside of them. Right? I think I've shared this testimony before. Um, I think the Holy Spirit's leading me to share it again. So I was maybe 18 or 19 years old. I was working as a nursing assistant in a long-term care facility in Aberdeen, South Dakota, all places. 
Um, my mom was actually working there as a nurse as well, so we, we shared some shifts, so we worked together. There was one resident that um, her room was back in the corner. This resident was, had been suffering from dementia, and she would call out a lot. She'd cry out a lot. This was the resident who would scratch your arms, and she'd maybe try and bite you, right? She'd spit at you. Not the most fun patient to take care of, right? And a lot of us as staff got very frustrated with her, and we would jockey to figure out who else could take care of her because none of us really wanted to take care of her because she was hard to take care of. And I remember one day, I think, I heard her, and I was the only one in the hallway, which meant by default I was the one who was going to get stopped taking care of her, which means I needed to put my battle armor on. So I think I was griping out loud that I needed to do that. And ironically enough, my mom was on the med card on that hall. She pulled me to the side and she said, let me tell you something. She said, when you take care of her, you're not really taking care of her. And at 18, I went, what? <laughs> it is her and she screams and she's whining and she bites and she scratches and I don't want to take care of her. Mom said, you're not taking care of her. You're taking care of the Jesus on the inside of her. So when you go down the hall to take care of her, you're taking care of Jesus. And if you change your mindset, the whole thing will change. Yes. And you know what it did? It did. Yes. Substantially it did. To the point that I carried with, I have carried that through my nursing career. I've looked at patients like that before and I won't deny that I haven't gotten frustrated. Won't deny it. But I still always hear my mom's voice in the back of my head reminding me. That's right. Priscilla said, go Nana. Absolutely. Nana banana. So last, let's just wrap up. Let's read Hebrews 6.10. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unjust, so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. Who are the saints? Everyone, right now, raise your hand. Raise your right hand. Who are the saints? We're the Panthers today, but who are the saints? <laughs> right? We are the saints. That's who he's talking about in this scripture. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and to love which you have shown, and the love which you have shown toward his name and in ministering and in still ministering to the saints. That's us. That's each other. So I challenge you this week. I want you to do some self-reflection. Start identifying the good on the inside of you. That's the first step. That's what Andrew points us to as being the first step. And you know what? God will be faithful. And if you start to do that, you're going to start to hear him putting people on your heart. And as he starts to do that, I challenge you, to reach out to them, call them, text them, write them a note, drop it in the mail. Do something. Take some action. You won't regret it. You won't regret it. Do you have anything to add? Okay. So let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together, uh, learning about what it means to to walk and to move in divine flow. Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit 
be stirred up on the inside of each of us. Help, to purpose, help us to purpose ourselves, to look internally, to see the good on the inside of us. Help us to be still and quiet long enough for you to give us the name or the person that we need to love on and know that that's your love that you are reaching out to that other person. We thank you for all the blessings, all the mercy, all the grace that you pour out in our lives. I thank you for every member of this church. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>